home to Sugar Hill Church Online. I know that it's hard to fathom, but here we are heading directly into a Holy Week, socially distanced, sort of, and definitely digitally driven. I don't for a nanosecond believe that God created this awful virus that we're at war with, but I do believe, like as in all things, he's going to use it for our good and for his glory. That most certainly led many into a state of anxiety and fear that we have never seen before. And here's the good news though. That same glorious savior that rode into Jerusalem on that young colt is at work in the middle of this crisis and he will deliver us from it as well in his perfect timing and in his perfect will. So let's get started, Bobby. Today's Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus had his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and the start of what we know as Holy Week. The question we should ask is this, if Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that triumphal Palm Sunday, what went wrong less than a week later? Why did the crowds who adored Jesus on Sunday turn on him by Friday of that same week? And what choice does Palm Sunday present to you and I today? In this Palm Sunday sermon, we're gonna to attempt to answer those questions and explore the reasons around the Roman Empire, the Jewish religious leaders and the common people, how did they all turn on Jesus after that glorious Sunday riding into Jerusalem? Yeah, one of the big questions that we ask ourselves is what did they expect? Yeah. In other words, what were they looking forward to? And so the big question is what did they expect? And in Matthew 21, it records what happened when Jesus came in. It says in Matthew 21, that as Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. He said, go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone asks you what you are doing, just say the Lord needs of them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and they threw their garments over the colt and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others cut branches from the trees and they spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession and the people all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered it. Think about that, in an uproar as he entered it. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Hmm. This is so powerful. This is such an amazing teaching. When you read this text, one of the things that you still wonder is what did they expect? What was it they were looking for? And we still have that problem today. We still wrestle with that. Well, you know, the thing that's interesting, and I love some of the notes that we put together here because there's two processions that come into Jerusalem that day. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, it was a glorious day for sure because on one side of town, Jesus rode in, but he came in on a donkey's colt. Uh, just like Zechariah had promised, he came in and everything about his processional was about he was bringing peace. Now, the key thing to know here is the peace he was bringing were to a people that had been oppressed by the Roman government. Yeah. On the other side of town, Bobby, there was another processional. Yep. Pontius Pilate had put together a brigade 
who were in their polished brass and leather helmets and armor and swords and scabbards. They each had a spear in their hand. And as they walked in step, they came behind Pontius Pilate as he came in riding on this massive war steed. He came in on a stallion, all dressed for the occasion, all the pomp and circumstance of a military leader. Mm. The choices that the people in Jerusalem had to make were this. Why would I pick somebody who's come in that humbly versus come in into somebody that had such might and power. Yeah. The big problem was might and power delivered them greater oppression. Peace offered them freedom and joy. Hmm. I think it's interesting that this is what that paradox looks like. Hmm. And today, I think we have the same choice. Absolutely. Do we choose peace and freedom or do we choose the things of this world? Yeah. Now, to me, that's where things got completely out of sorts. I, I think it's important, though, for us to know the two processionals that came in are still what's happening in our life. It's like, you remember when you were a little boy and you'd watch a cartoon and you'd have an angel on one shoulder and you have yeah. a devil on the other? Mm-hmm. It's, it is really that simple. We choose that processional every moment of every day right now. Yeah. So I'd love for you to just take a minute and think about that scene. You think about Jesus coming in on this cult. You think about Pontius Pilate coming in with all the pomp and circumstance, and you see this division. In fact, in that day and age, I think this was meant to send a message. Absolutely. So for a lot of this time, the Roman government is concerned. What if there's a revolt? Right. What if these Jews try to rise up and what if they try to overthrow us? Right. And so right next to the temple, and the temple is the centerpiece of this whole Passover week. Yeah. Well, right next to it, the Roman government has sort of their lookout. Yeah. And so they're able to look down into this. They're able to watch what's going on with the Jews. And in some ways, when you see Jesus coming in on this cult, people are praising him. Mm-hmm. You see Pilate coming in with his army And in some ways, I think Pilate's trying to send a message that I'm the guy that's in charge. Remember the last time y'all tried to revolt, don't go down that same path again. And so what happens on the front end of the week is we we see Jesus coming in being praised. By the end of the week, you see him betrayed by one of his disciples. You see him run through a sham trial. You see him sentenced to death. And the question we wrestled with this morning is how does that even happen? Yeah. How do you start the week on a positive note and then end the week with a death. I always imagine uh, the Roman soldiers, uh, as I can visualize them coming in, I always have in my mind, like the Nazis goose-stepping into Paris or uh, the Chinese army strutting in front of President Xi. Hmm. I mean, that's how I see this happening hmm. because it was a crystal clear message to the Jews, stay in your place. Yeah. You know, don't, don't get out of line, stay in your place, or I promise you, we'll make you get in place. Yeah. Jesus said, Whatever you do, don't stay in your, your same place. Mm-hmm. I have a better life for you. Yeah. Well, when I think about that, I think about these two processionals. So I, I think it's interesting that Jesus instructs his disciples to go into the city and find a young colt tied up, and he goes, and sure enough, it's there. They're to ask the owner if they can use them, and specifically says that the Lord needs them. It all sounds kind of cloak and dagger, And I guess it it was in a way. So Jesus quotes Zechariah beginning in verse nine. He says, rejoice, O people of Zion, shout in triumph, 
O people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. I mean, think about it, Bobby. The, the juxtaposition there is overwhelming. Yep. Jesus, mean, his means of transportation for that day matched the prophet Zechariah perfectly because the prophet reassures the people of Judah, the Jewish people, he, he certifies for them that you're not forgotten. God has not forgotten you. When things pick back up in verse 10, the scripture says, I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons used in battle and your king will bring peace to the nations. His realm will stretch from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus's quote from the prophet Zechariah reminded those who heard him of this entire passage. The message they heard was this, God will deliver the nation from the oppressor. In this case, Rome, and in our case presently, maybe COVID-19 and the presence of sin, selfishness, evil, and death. Absolutely. The king that they're looking for doesn't come as they expected. Right. He comes with humility, not on a stallion of war, not with this flexing of power, but he comes in on a donkey. Yeah. And it's a picture of peace. It's the peace that Zachariah talked about. Yeah. And so when you think of, again, that juxtaposition of those two processions, Pilate showing power, Jesus bringing peace. And it reminds us we have to choose yeah, yeah. that this Easter week, that's why we start with Palm Sunday to focus as we look towards next week, which kingdom are we going to pick? Which one yeah. do we want? Do we want power? Do we want prestige? Do we want all the accolades or do we want the Prince of Peace? Yeah. I think in some ways this text reminds us in such a powerful way that this is a choice that we have to make, that we can either serve the God of this world, the God of might and power and fame and fortune, or we get to choose yeah. the King of glory. Yeah. That's a real choice. And so when you think about this, we really do have choices to make. Which kingdom are we going to fuel this week? Which kingdom are we going to starve? Which one's gonna flourish in our life this week and which one are we gonna allow to waste yeah. away? We each mm. have a choice. We get to choose this week, hope and peace, the Prince of Peace this week. I think you're right. It, it is, um, it's a complicated choice if you're there that day. It seems yeah. so easy looking back, right? but it is, I think it's complicated because on the one hand, I think the Jewish people wanted Jesus to ride in more like Pilate. right? But I think they wanted Pilate because of how Jesus wrote in to write in more like Jesus. Hmm. It seems so odd to me that that's where the paradox is. Yeah. Looking back on it, it's easy. Yeah. Probably in the moment, it was very, very confusing. Exactly. I, I don't think it's as confusing today, but I do think it requires a lot of uh, hard looks in the mirror hmm. to see what kind of choices we have made that might help us know the significance of the choice we need to make. Yeah. I mean... The followers of Jesus and others who get caught up in his entry into Jerusalem think they're choosing to follow Jesus. But by the end of the week, Jesus will have disappointed the crowd at a rate faster than they can stand. They'll turn on him. Even those closest to Jesus, the 12 disciples, will either betray him outright or abandon him in confusion and fear. It's interesting to note that the crowd on that Sunday proclaimed, Hosanna to the son of David. 
In other words, they were placing all of their hope and faith in Jesus that he would restore the glory of the nation, but not to God's standards, but to David's standards. You see, David and his son Solomon, they ruled that United Kingdom. That's what the Jews wanted after all, to be ruled by a man like David, a man so committed to God that the Old Testament prophets had proclaimed that the coming Messiah would sit on the throne of his father, David. The Messiah would bring back the glory of Israel and they would rid the nation of their oppressors and would rule benevolently and would be kind to the common people. But it was more than that. Jesus had challenged the rulers of Judea already, not the Roman rulers, but the local rulers. He had said to them that the temple was not the only way to find God's forgiveness. And furthermore, that the temple would be destroyed with not one stone left on another. That was different. That was shocking to them. Yeah. For them to hear that the temple is going to be gone. And so you start thinking about all the ripple effects of that. There's people that made their living from the temple, like the scribes and the chief priests and their priests and the ruling councils and the Sanhedrins and the Pharisees and on and on and on, the Sadducees. There's so many people that found their identity in the temple. And so for Jesus to say he's destroying it means they're going to lose their power. They're going to lose their prestige. They're going to lose most of their identity. And what Jesus taught them was that forgiveness doesn't just happen Mm. at the temple. It can absolutely happen anywhere. That was new for them, though. Absolutely. That's why radical. This was such a... um, lightning rod kind of situation when Jesus would meet with somebody and he'd come to somebody that's lame and say, well, your sins are forgiven and then heal them. This challenged their assumptions. It challenged the authority of the temple Mm -hmm. system. And so you think about it, when Jesus drove out the money changers, that's the same thing that's happening. He's he's proclaiming that the temple was to be a house of prayer for all nations. Yeah. I, I like it. My dad would look at this and he would say, this is one of the many ways Jesus proved that he was going to turn the world right side up, not upside Mm. down. That what he was bringing was not a new normal, but a far better normal. And to get to that far better normal, there was a choice that you had to make. You wanted to take the world's route or would you take the route of Jesus? I find it so interesting, Bobby, that right now in the middle of this COVID-19 deal, as we head into Holy Week, we have the same choice. We can choose the one who can cure it all, or we can choose the might and power and the money. And while that may sound trite sitting in our homes, it is a huge juxtaposition and choice that we all make every moment of every day. What's crazy is even though Jesus is God himself and he came and he rode in on that donkey and people ultimately were praising him up front, he ended up disappointing a lot of people. He ended up alienating a lot of people. He ended up turning people's lives upside down. And so this morning, wherever you're watching from, maybe you want to pause just for a second and just do a little reflection. Mm -hmm. Are there areas in your life that Jesus has turned upside down? Are there things even now during this crisis that have disappointed you or maybe uh, knocked you off center? Would you take even just a few moments right now to jot those down, maybe type them into a note in your phone and take just a moment to pray and say, Heavenly Father, would you help me to realign what I'm thinking today? Would you help me to come in line with who you are today? And we'll come right back. Amen.
Welcome back. I'm so glad you took just a few moments to be able to ponder and prayerfully consider what are the choices that you need to make today. I, the one thing that happens, Bobby, in the midst of a crisis is it forces us yep. to slow down it does. and it forces us to rethink. And so today, when you look at the contrast of these kingdoms, our prayer is that you would take a hard look, not at just the contrast, but what kingdom are you serving in? right now. In some ways, this crisis can even help push us in a direction we already knew in our gut we needed That's to right. go. That's right. But we were too comfortable to do it. Yeah. So now we're pushed out of that comfort and yeah. we're pushed to make that decision. How many times have you heard somebody say already, when are we going to get back to normal? Right. And you know, it's interesting to me that Jesus provided something that was different than normal. Yeah. I mean, oppression was their normal. Yeah. To get back to greater oppression isn't the goal. The goal is how do I get to peace and freedom? Yep. How do I get to hope? How do, how do I get to where I have eternal life? Yes. And Jesus comes along and here on this day, riding in on one hand is Pilate and the other Jesus. And literally we see this clash. Mm -hmm. I don't know what my emotions would be in the city of Jerusalem that sure. day. But today on this Palm Sunday, my emotions say, I hope that I would choose Jesus then. Yeah. But I'm definitely choosing Jesus now. Yep. So when I think about that, I, I, am, I am reminded that in these same times, in these, in these two kingdoms, Jesus's entry as he came in may or may not have been planned. I mean, uh, it wasn't as though Jesus and Pilate got together and said, hey, let's have opposite you know, mm -hmm. plans to come into town. Whether it was planned or not though, the two pro processions provided a contrast that was unmistakable, undeniable. Pay close attention because the contrast you see in these two processionals and what they each offered is as real today as it was that very first right. Palm Sunday. Fascinating to me, powerful. It's a contrast between kings and kingdoms that's on display in that day. And although many of the common people thought they sided with Jesus. They did so only for the same reasons that Rome forced them into. Hmm. It's kind of like the elephant. You know, you, when a baby elephant is young, you put a, a stake in the ground and you chain around that one elephant's foot. And if you train him long enough, by the time they're a full-grown elephant, it's the only thing they do. Right. They walk in that same circle. And that, that's all they know what to do. And that's, what, that's how they trained for the circus. That's what those people in Jerusalem were like. Yeah. We're so oppressed that we cannot imagine peace, prosperity, joy, happiness, eternal life. We, we, we couldn't even comprehend it. 
And honestly, that's why I think the crowd turns on Jesus by the end of the week. They don't think he's going to do any of those things. And in addition, Jesus is actually going to make his life, their lives worse yeah. for them, not better. Yeah. In the short term, it's not going to be easy. In the short term, it's going to be uncomfortable. But right. Jesus has a different perspective. And so their religious leaders, every single one of them, who never agree on anything, agree that Jesus is going to attract too much attention from yep. the Roman Empire, yep. especially during Passover. And Rome's going to come down fast, and they're going to come down hard on the entire nation of Israel. In fact, take a moment. Let's look at John chapter 11, starting in verse 45. Here's what it says. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. But some went to the Pharisees and they told them what Jesus had done. Then, leading, then the leading priests and the Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs many miracles. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come. They'll destroy both our temple and our nation. Caiaphas, who was the high priest at the time, said, you don't know what you're talking about. Hmm. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than the whole nation be destroyed. Hmm. So when you think about it, when Jesus is accused, when he's brought in by Pilate himself, when he's brought before the angry mobs and they want to get rid of him, Jesus in their minds never did what they wanted him to right. do. It was a different version of a Messiah than they expected. He never defeated the Romans. He never dissolved their unfair tax system. He never put common people in charge of the government, and he never would. He didn't do any of those things. He was a different kind yeah. of savior. I think when he tried to appease the crowds that swelled in that city, um, Pilate had the custom of releasing a prisoner. And so when he sees all this going on, uh, his last week there, he, he burns Jesus' last week in that mock trial you're talking about. Mm. The beatings, the scourging, the spitting upon him. It's just, I, I can't even fathom yeah. that. There was Jesus and the, the, the Roman Empire is doing all they can to appease the Jews to keep them from rising up. So now we can see this is where the clash happens. Mm. Those, those, it was like there were two trains that were running into Jerusalem. One on that colt and one in that mighty power, they were coming together. Yep. And it was inevitable. Friend, today on this Palm Sunday, don't find yourself crying out for Barabbas. When we cry out for the world and our desire is to appease the world, we will always choose the wrong processional. Hmm. When, when we go counterculture against the way of this world, away from that processional about human power and make a U-turn with our life and turn toward that processional of Jesus. Like those people, there's, there's a price to pay, but you can't pay it. Yeah. You, you can't pay Jesus with any kind of act or money or, or missionary or a church attendance. As a matter of fact, I think Jesus would say, lose all your religion. And in losing that religion, he would say, find me. Hmm. Build a relationship with me because I am knocking on the door of your heart right now saying, I want you to receive me, my processional into your heart. Yeah. Maybe on this Palm Sunday, you're sitting there today, wherever you might be or listening or watching, 
And you might say, Bobby, Chuck, I, I need to change the professional I'm choosing. I, I've tried everything the world offers and I, my life is still in a mess. I wanna make a U-turn, I wanna choose Jesus and his way. And the Bible says, Bobby, it's so easy if you call on the name of the Lord. But I've discovered that a lot of people feel like that there's some religion to that. Like right. I got to come to church, got to walk an aisle, or you know, I have to I have to change who I am before I come to Jesus. And Jesus makes this promise as a part of this processional. Actually, in the in that process, it's like, um, no, you just bring everything you are right now to me, yeah. and then you can leave it with me. Yeah. So today you can leave it with Jesus, whatever your world is, whatever your expectation is. And it sounds just like this, Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you become my Lord, become my savior? Would, would you forgive me of all my sin? I wanna turn around and choose your processional. And I wanna thank you, Jesus, that you died for me later in this week. But praise God, you rose from the dead a week from today. And you did that to conquer sin, sin in my life and Bobby's life and your life. Jesus, thank you for that. I'm grateful you're my Lord and that heaven is real. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. My friend, listen, if that was your choice today, you're as sure for heaven as if you were already there. Amen. And I can promise you the processional that the Lord is calling us to choose in this day in America is to take the choice of the Lord. Hmm. That's where healing for our nation and our souls will be found. God bless you, friends. So whether you just prayed that prayer or you've been saved for a hundred years, this blessing is for you. My friend, let the Lord go before you this week and make a way, make your crooked path straight. This week, carry the Lord within you that he might give you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. And in these difficult days, when they are hard, hop on his back and let him carry you, not around all this mess, but right through the middle of it only to set you down victoriously on your two feet, and wipe away your tears, kiss you on the forehead, and wrap his loving arms around you so you can hear your Savior say, my child, say it with me, I, I love, love you. you. God bless you, friend. Go in peace. Love you guys.